a very warm welcome to you all here today in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and uh, also a welcome to those that are joining us uh, online as well as this uh, service is being streamed. A special welcome to those who may be new among us as well. You're especially welcome today and just to let you know we do serve refreshments after the service uh, in the, uh, ki- uh, outside the kitchen in the main hall just through there. Hopefully you'll see the, the thirsty crowd leading the way. Also a reminder, uh, during the, the time of uh, lockdown and changes we uh, stopped passing around an offertory plate uh, but there are offertory boxes in two locations at the back if the, if, at the back if you wish to make use of them. And they're what? Oh yeah, like an airline pilot, isn't it? So the, at, the en- at the exits. Just uh, an item of church family news. And many of you will have heard this already, but for those who may not uh, have heard, Claire Fisher died on Wednesday morning and uh, she uh, had her family present with her and a family are present here today as well. And we'll be remembering the family in our uh, prayers during this time together and um, you know, we want to give thanks for Claire's life and give thanks for that family uh, but also lift them up in these days. Also during this service uh, we're going to have our deacons dedication that happens annually so our deacons or those that are able to be here uh, uh, in this space um, are going to be come up the front later on in the service and we're going to be praying for them as well. We're beginning our service with words from one of the Psalms from Psalm 93 and I'd like us to I have this as a responsive reading. So I'll read the writing uh, titled Leader in white and if we can read together the reading in yellow. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. Indeed, the world is established, firm, and secure. Your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. The seas have lifted up, Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves. Mightier than the thunder of the great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your statutes, Lord, stand firm. Holiness adorns your house for endless days. Amen. And we're going to sing together our first song, Who Paints the Skies? Let's worship our Lord as we come uh, into his presence and as as we draw near to him, so he draws near to us according to his promise in scripture. Let's sing together.
we're going to continue in time of prayer, praise, thanksgiving and confession. Let's pray. Eternal God, we praise you for who you are, your holy attributes. Almighty God, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, merciful, gracious. You are the one who has made himself known through creation, through your revealed word, through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, through the giving of the Holy Spirit to come alongside and dwell within. We thank you for the free forgiveness of sins, for lives transformed, for your goodness bestowed and glory revealed. We thank you for one another and the opportunity we have today to draw near to you. As we draw near, draw near to us. Reveal more of yourself. Come among us by the presence and power of your Spirit, his holy fire burning among us, bringing us, to holiness, purity, deep-hearted and single-minded devotion to you. Shake us awake, O Lord, where we slumber. Make us alert and strong. Fill us afresh. Help us to love and to live for you. Father, we confess our great need of you. Please remove from us all of our sinfulness. Forgive our stiff neck attitudes, our hard hearts, our stubborn and rebellious wills. Put to flight all rebellion from our lives, that we may be devoted to you fully and unreservedly. Build your church, Lord. Make us one, Lord. Move among us as your church in our land. Move among us as Brighton Road Baptist congregation. Cause us to love and know you more, to serve and love one another deeply from the heart. Lord, have mercy upon us as we gather today. May your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth, in Horsham and beyond and across the nations as you decree and decide in heaven. Amen. And we continue by singing... Again, our next song, He is the Lord and He reigns on high. We know that whatever is happening in our lives and in our world, our God remains almighty, He remains king, He remains glorious and good. So let's proclaim His greatness, His majesty together.
please take your seats and let us continue in prayer, praying for others. Living and loving God, today we come before you just as we are. We acknowledge our great needs and the great needs of those around and about us, those we know and love, those that we are aware of, near and far. Sovereign Lord, have mercy upon us and upon those who come to our minds at this time. We pray for those who grieve, those here, those part of Brighton Road family. We lift up the Fisher family. We give you thanks for the life of Claire Fisher. Thank you for her love for you, for her family, for your people and for the many that she ministered to in the course of her life and in the times leading to her death. Thank you that she is in your very near presence, free from pain, crying, sorrow. That loving Father, minister in these days to those she leaves behind, uphold and strengthen them. Especially lift to you, John, Amy, Ben, Miriam, and the rest of the family, and friends, and colleagues. We pause, expressing our grateful thanks, and sharing the pain and loss we feel with you, our compassionate God. Indeed, we lift up all who grieve at this time the loss of a loved one. We pray for others who are in our hearts at this time, those in the midst of grief, those who have other needs due to illness or pain, difficulty, hardship. We lift them to you, Lord. We also lift up our nation and our leaders in these days. Awaken us as a nation to our great need of you. Do what it takes to shake us awake. We pray also for the nations in these days with wars and rumours of wars. Lord, grant world leaders much needed wisdom and restraint. Blessed are the peacemakers. Raise them up, Lord. Sovereign King over the nations and over all the rulers of the earth, we are in your hands. Bring about your great purposes and build your church and grow your kingdom here and across the nations. Take us and use us to be ambassadors of grace and ministers of healing and reconciliation. All these prayers we pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. Amen. We're going to now have a time of dedication of uh, deacons and um, uh, we uh, 
we give thanks to God for those who serve in such way. We uh, recognise that Marion, John and Paul have been recently um, agreed as a ch- by us as a church meeting to serve as deacons, but we want to take the opportunity to pray for uh, all those who serve in this way. And so I'm going to ask for those who are able to, those who are happy to, to come and join me at the front um, here, who are deacons. Uh, Just to say that um, these are uh, deacons, these are uh, leaders and and servants uh, of Christ in this church. Uh, This is uh, one of the roles, uh, Julie, thank you. This is one of the roles uh, that they serve in um, and of course... Um, others serve in various uh, other roles uh, within the life of the church. Uh, But they're called to share with um, Tim as the senior pastor and with myself in the pastoral uh, leadership and administration of the church. We are to trust them and we are to pray for them at all times. And we are to help them in the work of the Lord. There's a reading in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 to 11. Each one should use whatever gift they have received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions and if you're happy to answer this, uh, then please say we do. Hopefully you, you do. Do you each believe in one God Father, Son and Holy Spirit and do you confess Jesus Christ as your Saviour and Lord? We do. And do you believe that God has called you through his church to this office of deacon and do you promise in dependence upon his grace to exercise this ministry faithfully? We do. I'm going to ask you to do something which may seem strange. I wonder if you're able to lay your hand on the next person uh, that way, and I'll lay my hand on Julie. There you go. We'll lay your hands on one another, and uh, we're, going to, we're just going to pray for them. Our Father and our God, we thank you for these sisters and brothers whom you have called to serve as deacons. Thank you for their individual gifts and qualities and for their strength as a team. As we set them apart for this ministry, we ask for your blessing on them. Guide and equip them by your Spirit that your church may grow in wisdom, love and unity, and that your name may be glorified through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And in the name of Jesus Christ and on behalf of this church in this place, may the Lord bless you and keep you as you carry out your duties. Uh, The Lord make his face to shine upon you 
and be gracious to you, the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. So she can take a take a seat now. And of course it's good to bless one another in all the ways in which we serve the Lord, not just within the context of this building and the things that we do in this space or in the name of BRBC, but also in all the kind of ways that we as church serve the Lord and serve one another in our daily lives. Uh, whether we are at work or at home, amongst family, there are all kinds of ways in which we as church, as fellowship, serve the Lord. Many of which are not known or recognised officially, but let us support and uh, bless one another in the ways that we do know. And uh, let us pray for one another in perhaps the ways that we don't know. Uh, Just as people come to mind, lift them in prayer. You don't have to know why. It may be that someone comes to your mind at a particular time, you may be doing something ordinary at home or at work or driving the car and someone comes to mind, just lift them to the Lord. Say, Lord, you know why, but I lift them and I bless them and I pray for them now. And in that way, we are a blessing to one another and we strengthen one another and uphold one another. That's one of the ways that we do that. We're going to sing our next uh, song, a hymn. Uh, Go forth and tell. Uh, We as a church, uh, our primary calling uh, is in serving the Lord Jesus Christ, in making him known to those around and about us. And so we have good news uh, to share with others. And later on we're going to be hearing a bit from the scriptures about how Jesus shared good news with someone. They shared good news with others and they then radiated that good news in their lives. So let's sing, uh, Go Forth and Tell.
And uh, before we have our uh, reading, uh, I should have said that uh, Marion wouldn't have been lined up here. She's one of the deacons, but she is serving, leading uh, BRBK up, upstairs. And Carol as well. Oh, Carol's up there as well, yes, of course. Uh, so uh, we pray for them as well. Okay, our, our reading today is from John's Gospel and John chapter 4, starting at verse 1. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptising more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptised but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground. Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour, about twelve midday. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father, Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans 
worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, that is uh, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do not say, four months more and then the harvest, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labour. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. We thank God for his word. Let us pray. Our loving heavenly Father, we meet in your presence We ask that your word will nourish and spur and guide us onwards. That your spirit be our teacher, your glory, our supreme concern. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we come to the latest in our series looking at encounters with Jesus. And today we come to the encounter of the unnamed Samaritan woman at the world. I want us to listen to some of the conversation between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. And as we do so, uh, there are three things uh, we see about Jesus. His care, his concern and his claim. 
So firstly, Jesus' care. In the previous chapter, which we didn't hear today, but if you look in the previous chapter, in the final verse, we read what may seem to be an unpalatable truth, that whoever rejects the Son of God will not see life, and God's wrath remains on him. What a sobering message that we as church are called to bring to our needy world. That for those who reject Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and his unique offer of salvation, God's wrath, his righteous anger remains on them. In John chapter 3, verse 36, we read, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. In other words, that righteous judgment of God upon sin remains upon those whose sin has not been removed from them through the cross of Christ Jesus. They won't see eternal life. Sin is and will be judged. Yet Jesus offers, through his death on the cross, to take that judgment on himself. He offers to become sin for us, that we may go free. Now, a person may shut Jesus and his message out of their lives, but ultimately, what we do with Jesus affects our eternal destiny, whether we believe it or not. The Bible is clear. We read in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 26 to 28, about Jesus. He has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself, just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. You see, a person may reject Jesus as Saviour, but they will not be able to escape Jesus as judge. Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 48, There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. Now Jesus knew what it was to be rejected. And Jesus cares for each one of us so much that he does not want us to be ultimately rejected. Here in this encounter, Jesus himself is seeking out a reject. The Samaritan woman represents those who are rejected by others. And yet here, she is sought out by God's Son. See, God loves sinners, and God seeks out sinners. And he transforms sinners. Jesus said of himself, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. 
Jesus has deliberately made his way to the lost. And he made his way to this well, to this woman. He could have avoided her, passed her by, shunned her like the rest do. But he had he had something she needed. Or rather, he was the someone she needed. She'd been looking in all the wrong places and got, got herself in a bit of a muddle. Jesus has and is what you are ultimately searching for. He cares for you and he came for you. This woman was not highly regarded, far from it, she was despised, rejected. Who would come for her? Jesus did. You know, Jesus spoke some infuriating truths to those who were highly regarded, the chief priests and the elders. Hear these words that he speaks to these esteemed, respected religious men. Jesus said to them in Matthew chapter 21, Truly, I tell you, the tax collectors who are despised and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. He held these men up, not in esteem, but in comparison to those with humble hearts who recognised their need for redemption, forgiveness, their need to turn back to God. Jesus knows this woman at the well and reaches out to her with care and compassion. Her greatest need was in his capacity to give. And he was more than prepared to give freely to her. Know this, that Jesus still seeks out individuals and stands before them. And for those who are humbly willing to receive him and his salvation and turn their backs on self and sin and rebellion, Jesus is willing to give a fresh start, life in all its fullness. Peter writes, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Secondly, we see something of Jesus' concern. Jesus was concerned about this woman's eternal well-being, her eternal destiny, her spiritual state, 
But first, it is seemingly what prevents her from really hearing what Jesus has to say. She's hearing him say things, but not really hearing him say things. She, it keeps her from recognising what he has on offer or, or who he is. You see, he is talking about water, but figuratively, yet she hears literally about water, no doubt, because it was a burdensome thing for her. The well was deep. It was hot in the day to come out at midday when no one else was, was around because you were shunned by the town. Labouring under the unforgiving sun, she comes face to face with the Son of God and he is calling her to enter into that rest that only God can provide for he is the forgiving Son she stands before Jesus, the one offering water of life that comes from the deepest source ever known, deeper than can be drawn by mere mortals. You see, there's a gap in her hearing and her seeing, a spiritual gap. She needed revelation. You know, even now, each one of us in this world needs revelation. We can't work out God's salvation plan. We, we're not clever enough to figure it out. It must be revealed. Yet our God is one who opens blind eyes and deaf ears, who speaks into hard, cold hearts and warms them and softens them. He is the one who creates a thirst in us that cannot be quenched by what this world offers. I think of the psalm, Psalm 42, his author expresses his thirst for God. As the deer pants the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When, when can I go and meet with God? Are you thirsty for God? Are you thirsty for the Spirit of God? Perhaps deep, deep down there is that thirst. The psalmist sings, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. He calls to our very deepest longing and deepest need. Are you spiritually thirsty for God, for more of God. And how about those that you know and those that you meet? Are they even aware of this need, spiritual need for living water? See, Jesus comes to those who are spiritually thirsty, spiritually dry, spiritually dead, and he offers life. We all have physical needs, but let us acknowledge our deeper spiritual need because one day our physical needs in this world will be over. But will our spiritual need have been met 
See, encountering Jesus is not about encountering and embracing a religion or a religious set of values and practices. Rather, it is recognising the need for and welcoming and growing in a relationship with the eternal, everlasting God for eternity. This is what we carry with us into eternity, the relationship that we have with God. Those who know Jesus, those whom Jesus knows, after all, this is what real relationship is about, will live forever with him. We need not fear the end of this earthly existence, for it continues in the very near presence of Almighty God for those in relationship with him. See, Jesus does not point this woman to a religious rule book or a religious building or a religious priestly system but to himself. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus is the gift of God. Eternal life with Jesus is a gift. It cannot be bought, cannot be gained by being good enough or by working hard enough by praying eloquently enough. When Jesus told the parable of the tax collector in the temple, this is what he said that that tax collector did to obtain a right relationship, to go home right with God. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me a sinner. That's it. Would you simply ask him that he may give you living water? Jesus is concerned for all listening today that he loves you, he wants you to be with him forever and the thing that will prevent you and your loved ones from, from this is rejecting him and the gift given. And thirdly, therefore, we must consider Jesus' claim. See, Jesus cared for this Samaritan woman, and yes, he was concerned for her spiritual need, but most amazingly, Jesus claimed to be the one who alone was able to fully meet her need. Whoever drinks the water... I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. See, Jesus is offering this woman more than well water. He's offering her welling up water that will make her well, make her complete, full. This is what she's searching for. The Spirit of God is pictured here and elsewhere as living water that transforms not only the life of the receiver now and into eternity, but 
courses through their life and into the lives of others and, and the spheres in which they operate, welling up, overflowing. The word here uh, that in the Greek is the word that means to kind of leap up. We note how this woman's encounter with Jesus truly transformed not only her own life but also the lives of the community which had shunned her. She had such good news. She was willing to go back there and tell it. You know, you have such good news about Jesus. Why hold it to yourself? Because of embarrassment? Because of ridicule? Because you might lose a friend or two? Because you might suffer hardship? You have such good news transforming news, life-transforming news, world-transforming news that we must tell others. It's our obligation. It's our responsibility. It's our joy. Because if it isn't our joy, have we really grasped that it is good news for ourselves? Jesus makes a claim that no other can make, truly. And claim to do something that no one else can do truly. We must not reject him, for there is no other. So lastly, I want to draw a couple of pieces of advice from this encounter with Jesus. See, Jesus, as he stands as the one who offers us living water, we have a very real choice. Firstly, Let us be those who accept that Jesus is who he says he is, the one able to offer living water, the Spirit of God, a living water that bubbles up, that leaps up to eternal life. Let us go on drinking of that spiritual water. Keep coming to him. You know, keep coming to him through persevering devotion to the Scriptures spending quality time in prayer, listening to him, carving out time when you haven't got any time. Make time for this most important meeting, a prayer meeting, prayer meeting with God. Schedule it in, fellowshipping with believers. These are things that we can do in order to keep coming to this living water. (coughs) Secondly, we must avoid drinking from ungodly sources that though they promise a quenching of thirst actually will poison us. You see, temptation to sin is pleasing to the eye. That's by its very nature. It seems pleasing. Other wells and other springs, they may seem more attractive at times but they will do us no good just think of for a moment the ways in which you may currently be tempted to quench your thirst when you have a need when you feel lonely or tired sad angry frustrated whatever the need See, all that glitters is not gold, 
And not all wells offering the promise of water will actually satisfy your longings. Sin offers a promise that it doesn't meet. Drinking from the well of disobedience, selfish living, laziness, impurity, to name but a few, only brings bitterness and death. Someone once said, you can drink from all sorts of wells, but unless the source of your water is the living water himself, you will never be satisfied. And Isaiah declared, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. So may each one of us go on encountering Jesus daily, drawing living water from him. May we be like those of that Samaritan village who with conviction proclaim to a thirsty world, we no longer believe just because of what someone said, what you said, but now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man, Jesus, really is the Saviour of the world. Amen. Let us pray before we sing our closing song. Our Lord, we recognise our need of you. We do pray for your help that we may continue to draw from you or perhaps we may draw from the very first time from you if we haven't done so. That we would turn to you and receive you in our hearts, in our lives and experience your life in all its fullness, the removal of all sin so that we may be in a right relationship with God. Have mercy upon me, a sinner, we pray. And Lord, we pray for that ongoing uh, coming to you, receiving from you day by day. Thank you that with you that we are satisfied. And Lord, will you help us in those moments of temptation? Will you guard us and guide us? Lord, we have this tendency which says that when we have a need we tend to turn away from you and tend to turn to other sources of pleasure or satisfaction and Lord they do us no good. We can think of the ways in which we have failed and faltered and fallen and realise that these did us no good. They never gave what was promised. So Lord help us to recognise those times of temptation and to reject them and to run to you, the source of living water. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we sing our final song, Filled with Compassion. We have opportunity and, as I said before, dare I say, obligation to go into our needy world and be and share good news with others if we have ourselves received that good news.
And let's say the words of the grace to one another. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.